0: What's up, Duke fans? Welcome to the Devil's Den podcast. Uh, I'm your host, Josh Smith. Joined this week with my co-hosts, Shu and Raul. We also have Steve Clark here from the Devil's Den. Uh, going to just kind of do a recap of the last week or so. Um, pretty good week for Duke. with are 3-0 with the wins over Clemson, Louisville, and Notre Dame. And then we're really going to, at the end, we're going to jump into a Carolina preview with it being rivalry week. Um, big-time game, Coach K's last game in the Dean Dome. So a lot of emotions. You know, a lot goes into that. But I guess we'll just kind of start reviewing the, the last week. Um we can kind of jump in and look at the bigger picture. We're probably not going to jump too much into into game by game, but was there anything over that span that really stood out to you all? I guess Keel's coming back is the main one, but anything kind of team oriented wise?
1: Well I'll start. Um I thought that the biggest takeaway for me was the improvements and in rebounding in defense. Um specifically from the Clemson game where we really struggled on the defensive glass again for the millionth time to the Louisville game and the Notre Dame game where we out-rebounded both those teams. Against Louisville, we had 20 offensive rebounds. And against Notre Dame, we not only rebounded well, but just played you know pretty sensational defense throughout the game. We held them to 43 points, but it could have been 30 points. I mean, they had Twenty points with thirteen minutes left in the game, and then we kind of you know gave up a little flurry at the end there, but you know that'll happen once you take out your starters and stuff, so anyway, yeah, I think just kind of that larger arc is encouraging um to see I think the piggyback off of that I think
2: to me the the Clemson win and then the louisville win the the common thread that I saw with those two wins was. Was just how gritty like Duke had to be to to grind out both of those games. I mean, and and I think we talked about this in an earlier podcast. Like you knew, like in in those kinds of games, when you play teams like that that can spread the floor, that are aggressive, you know, that are only playing Duke one time this season, you knew like that was going to be those teams Super Bowl uh, against Duke. And I thought for Duke to have the the mental toughness and the focus. Uh, to grind out wins in those games, like you got to give them a ton of credit because those games are not easy to win, uh, especially in the ACC. And then I think you saw the same things uh, from Duke, at least for at least I did uh, in the Notre Dame win. And even though the score was much larger in the Notre Dame game, I just thought, you know, for Duke to come out and say we're going to play Duke defense in this game, like it was clearly a point of emphasis. I loved all the um, um, the scouting report. Uh, you know, you heard it from Mark Williams and Paolo. Like it was a it was a point of emphasis for them to run Notre Dame shooters off the three point line, and I think to do that for an entire game the way they did, like that also takes mental focus and uh, toughness. So for me, like that's that's the biggest takeaway, was three quality, you know, good ACC wins, and Duke had to be mentally tough in every game, even if the score was slightly slightly bigger in the Notre Dame game.
3: Yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, the Clemson game. Um, you know, those guys hit big shots. They hit 11 threes. We knew they were going to shoot a lot of threes um, coming in. That's kind of what they do. Uh, I thought our three-point defense was going to be a little bit better beforehand, thinking that, you know, that if we kept them from doing that, that we would win pretty easily. I think we predicted what a 20-point win on our podcast. So, should have known that was happening. Um, but uh, the Clemson game, like you said, the grit um, – to be in that close of a game, um, the one thing I remember, we, we got the ball to Apollo in the post in clutch time, and he and he came through for us, and that was huge because uh, we haven't won a lot of those kind of close games there. Uh, that and then the Louisville game, you know, just um, what was it, 60-60, this tied game with, with about eight minutes or six minutes left when A.J. started going, uh, which he had already been on fire, but hit those big shots. So, yeah, just the, the mental toughness like you guys talked about. Um, and then the Notre Dame game it was just a physical game all the way through. And our defense was incredible. I mean, elite defense. Yeah, um, Which is
0: super impressive for me coming off the, the back-to-back like that on the road. So, you have a Saturday-Monday. Is that what it was or something like that? Um, yeah. Turnaround. And the last, like, six to seven, eight minutes of that Louisville game were just super fun to watch. Um, I know we've probably had it before this year, but – just i think aj when he hits that second one the emotion that just erupted from the whole sideline dell's there paolo's kind of pumping him up um haven't seen as much of that kind of it seems like in the last few weeks so that was you know really good to see him kind of coming out of the shell and i thought it translated well to the notre game the Notre dame game for aj started to find himself especially he hits that little runner and he does the Shows the crap he gets his swagger back a little bit. Go ahead. <laughs> did you see?
3: Did you guys see Theo yep. as AJ shot that um that second one? He turned around he to turned the crowd, around, yep. puts the three up, doesn't even, you know, some Steph Curry stuff, just didn't watch <laughs> it go in. Yeah. That's, that's Theo. I love him. And yeah, speaking of him. Theo,
0: he's actually kind of really came on the last. I mean, he's really adding value. Something quick for him on the defensive glass, because I'd like to. I should have looked at it before. I did make a note of
3: that in the Louisville game. You know, Mark got those two fouls and Theo came in and gave us, you know, huge minutes in that first half, um, especially because we had got up on on Louisville. So it wasn't seem like a big deal. But then, of course, they come, you know, rolling back. But Theo was, was huge in that game. Um, so, yeah, shouts yeah. to Theo.
0: And Bates Jones, you know, he's kind of came out of nowhere and like silently been a solid contributor, solid rotation player. Kay was talking about him in his uh press conference today. Um, you know, that little I didn't even know he had that when he like pumps, fakes the three, blows by dude, and, and finishes night. And I was like, oh, okay. Okay, so if he can give yeah. us something, um, it really opens up some like really cool lineups, especially with Paulo and Bates, maybe both playing out there, um, really opens up some spacing. So I wonder if we see any more of that. Um, but I, I think overall my takeaway, especially, uh, towards the end of the week is the defense and not just that like Notre Dame had a bad night. So obviously it's not just all of us, but when I was watching it, the pick and roll defense, like, We've changed some things now, and I don't know if you've noticed it as much, but there were several times uh, where Dell's getting screened. Mark hedges to help, but he stays low, like he stays rimside, and Dell Dell goes to recover. But now, instead of recovering, we used to end up just doubling the ball handler, which automatic offensive rebound. Now Dell was looking, would pick up Mark and rotate back down and seal to either get a rebound or now mark can come back in. That to me is like the nerdy part of basketball, but if we can start doing that and rotate to help mark and allow him to go for ball and us to go for rebound from the wings and guards, I think we could really see that defense climb. Josh, Josh, you're uh, you're speaking my language, man.
2: I love it. This is it's so spot on and in some ways it kind of reminds me of how they how they approached uh guarding ball screens with the uh, with the 2010 national championship team especially when Zubek started coming on I mean it's it's similar in some ways and I think for me like I remember like when we were you know starting a podcast up again uh before the season and we talked a lot about how this team I thought had the capability to dominate games on the glass you just hit on one of the areas that I really thought duke had an opportunity to shine uh was with their guards and their wings I felt like if they if the guards and wings track back uh, for rebounds, especially on the defensive end, I thought Duke could be lethal in transition, and I think you're seeing that. Um, I mean it's, I mean it's a pretty regular thing that you see guys like Wendell and and uh, uh, I mean everybody does it um, when you think about it, like tracking back for the ball. Like this is from a rebounding perspective. I mean this is one of the best teams that I think I've seen Duke, you know, be in terms of rebounding the ball on both ends.
0: Yeah, especially if we're starting to not just have those guards go back and track, but like go back and box out like Dell was doing. That's what I haven't seen, right? Like Roach is good about flying back in for rebounds. Yep. But if Mark is coming up to be that shot blocker, we got to body somebody. And so when yep. I started seeing that, it was like, okay, if we can build off of that, I think, you know, easily a top 10 defense. The, the rebound, defensive rebounding is really the only thing that's kept us from probably being top five um for the most of the year especially in conference play but um you know I haven't looked up all the numbers on that I think the last thing I wanted to hit on as we talked about it in our chat but the the video that Duke men's basketball posted where Kay's giving the game ball to Nolan from yeah. Louisville and he's talking to the team kind of love that stuff right like I was getting emotional watching him what it meant for Nolan um I don't know if y'all saw that, but just kind of the thoughts. That's the kind of stuff that I think makes the general fan like me want to run through a wall for K. Never met the guy, right? Yeah, like, you, I, I love that stuff.
2: No, and you got you to gotta know like that. That's a short little video, but to know the backstory to, to the relationship that Kay has going all the way back to when Nolan was a player, you know, for him, like everybody remembers that Nolan, you know, that freshman year, like he didn't play a lot of minutes, um, you know, and he, and he struggled. And I think, when he chose to stay, um, you know Johnny Dawkins was a huge help to him. But I think the I think the relationship over time, after Nolan decided to say I'm, I'm going to stay, I'm going to commit, and I'm going to build relationships within the team, you could see the relationship with K uh, that he's built over the long haul. Uh, you see it at moments like that when you see that video, and I think that doesn't happen if Johnny Dawkins, after a rough freshman year for Nolan. If Johnny Dawkins doesn't start the process, you know, of helping Nolan to understand, you know, like staying here is a good thing for you. You know, it's worthwhile for you to stick it out. I know it's really hard. And I think now you've seen it, like there's a reason why Nolan is called the people's champ. It's because he's, you know, he he's stay committed, you know, to to being with Duke all the way through.
0: And if he doesn't, we have two West championships right now. Because if Nolan leaves, Quinn likely doesn't come, right? He's talked about yeah. that relationship so 2010 might not win 2015 definitely don't win without quinn right and so like when you think of it like that it's really cool now that like um as i've gotten a little older to see the guys as players and now you also see them as adults uh see them on the coaching staff so that was just a cool moment i thought we'd hit on um before we jump into the unc preview i guess we should talk a little bit about keels uh so he had his first game back against notre dame offensively wasn't great defensively he looked Pretty solid lateral quickness was not
1: quite there, I think. Um, He did have some nice passes. So, um, I don't know, you know, if we're going to talk about his offense, obviously there's the one of eight shooting, but he had a couple really great finds. Like uh, the one that comes to mind is uh, that lob to mark for the and one in the first half there. So, I thought he looked pretty much the same overall. It didn't seem like the injury was affecting him or anything. So it's good news for our depth. You know, I've been kind of critical of his efficiency and shot selection, but we do need him simply just to have enough bodies, if anything, you know, and then also just to have that kind of thick, strong defensive wing. As good as Roach has been, uh, you know, as a ball handler and passer, he can't really give us that same physicality on the defensive end. And he has improved on defense. I think we talked about that on the last podcast, but keels just brings a different element so it's good to see
2: i think the other thing that keels bring and 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 theo john gives you the same thing like to me keels and theo they're the dogs of this year's team you know along along with paulo like just you can just see how the guys like thrive off of keels and theo and paulo when they just are like we're gonna stop you like we're gonna make a stop on the on the defensive end and we're gonna get out and do what we want to do like that you need that edge on a, on a championship level team and to have that and i'll be interested to see how keels continues to kind of work his way back into the lineup because i i agree that roach stepped up in a huge way while keels while keels was out and i think that was great for uh, for roach uh, and for for his confidence and for the team to see that he could like you know he could really run the show and he had a lot of success uh, with doing that but now that keels is back you know, I agree, like he's going to have to work his way back into it because you know, when you miss that amount of time, like the, the dynamics of the lineup, how guys are working together, like things change a little bit. But I have, I have every confidence
3: he's going to be really good for Duke going forward. Well, I think he helps out on the defensive end because he can help more not have to, you know, take that that defensive assignment every, you know, for 40 minutes. We can put kills on this guy for a little while, too. Because we've seen Dale, you know, the last couple of games, he's really locked down the opposing team's leading scorer, or at least made them inefficient, right? But it's, at the same time, it has it hurt his offense because he's expending so much energy on his defense? So I think if you can get kills, you know, back up to speed, then maybe that'll unlock Wendell to start giving us those 16, 18-point games that we were seeing a month ago
0: sounded like in the presser um, that K does intend to stick with the lineup he's been using and maybe bringing kills off. I, you know, he talked about he's still going to play starter minutes. It doesn't really matter. But just philosophically, I love kills coming off the bench because I think he's a little bit more dynamic than Roach. Um, and he offers that kind of second unit to where he can come in and he can plug and play anywhere, kind of one through three or even one through four in super small lineups. Um but I think it just allows him to kind of play his game a little bit to where, you know, he shot one for eight. Obviously you'd like to see him shoot a little bit better, but around eight to nine, 10 shots is about where I would like to see him. And I know he had started trending towards 15, 16 shots kind of right before he went out. So I think that's a better role for him. Um, Well, he's the
1: irrational confidence guy, right? Um, Right. You know, the Bill (laughs) Simmons term, right. And those guys, (laughs) those guys do uh I feel like they do best coming off the bench where they can just kind of gun it, you know, um, maybe against some backup players, you know, I mean, in college, it's not quite the same because you don't go as deep into your bench as you do in the NBA, but it still kind of gives them that opportunity to just come in and let it fly without disrupting things, maybe as much.
0: And with the team too, right? Cause oh, he yeah. comes in, if, if Roach comes into the game, he's, he, he's very solid. He can get us into our sets. His passing has been phenomenal, But it's different because if Kills can come in, if Dale's been in the game for, you know, eight, nine minutes and he's tired, if Paolo's getting tired, Kills can come in and say, yo, I'll take some of the burden here, right? And if he starts hitting, you're not as tired anymore, right? Like you were seeing, Steve, like he fires guys up with that energy. So you bring him in as we start to get tired, maybe. And that's, you know, perfect role for him in theory, I guess.
2: Well, I mean, look at the physicality that he brings. I mean, like when you have him out there with, you know, just, I mean, just for instance, like if you have him out there with AJ Griffin and Theo John, you know, maybe he's spelling Wendell or maybe spelling, you know, Roach, you know, with, uh, as a one or a two coming off the bench. I mean, just look at the level of athleticism and physicality that Duke can bring off the bench and how much that helps them with rebounding and with defense. Like that to me is where Duke, as they go into the meat of the ACC season, like, that's where Duke, I think, can get even better. And you saw a lot of this in the Notre Dame game. Like, when they can lock down defensively and even do that with the bench guys, with the level of physicality that guys like Keels can bring, and, and definitely Theo John brings off the bench, like, that's how you can separate and, you know, put a game away, you know, a little bit earlier than uh, than usual when you have athletes of that caliber who want to play defense. Like, that's the biggest thing to me. Like, Keels wants to play D. Theo John wants to play D like it's infectious you know and that's that's a big way I think how Duke can win going forward
0: so I I guess we can jump into the the UNC preview and we'll kind of save like I like to do at the end maybe do some kind of predictions and share some of our kind of favorite moments and memories but just kind of some on the statistical side and kind of on the preview side uh Raul you want to kind of jump us into what Carolina looks like this year I think on the outline, you had Ken Palms favoring Duke by three. Um, I know you were looking into some other deeper stuff there. What, what did you see that stood out that maybe the the average Duke fan might not know?
1: Well, um, if you haven't watched UNC this year, they're not really the same team that they were under Roy. Uh, they're a much better shooting team than Roy's teams typically are. Um, they're th- 13th in three-point shooting. Um, you got three people who shoot over 39% and uh, love Davis and Manic. They're not great on the offensive glass, which is a huge change. 111th, so you normally think of Roy's teams being like top five in offensive rebounding and just really punishing you that way. Constantly playing two, you know, really physical big guys who crash the offensive glass. Hubert Davis has uh, prioritized spacing a lot more, and you've seen the slippage on the offensive glass. You've already, you've also seen a slippage a little bit on defense as a result. They're 77th on defense, which is obviously not anywhere near elite. Um, I think that the trade-off has been better spacing. We're definitely a better team, more high-end talent, better results so far. But there's certainly ways they could hurt us, and there's easy paths to them winning. I think that the most interesting place to start would be to talk about kind of matchups, individual matchups. I think their two most important players for us to slow down would be uh, Love and Baker. It's kind of interesting to think about who we might put on them. Well, I let
2: me jump in on that because I think everybody remembers how the games went last year uh, and, uh, and how much Caleb Love went off. And, you know, there's a backstory, obviously. I mean, Duke was recruiting him there and he was interested and they chose to go in a different direction. So I think for me... I am fascinated to see, number one, how does Jeremy Roach guard him? Because I think there's going to be plays where Jeremy Roach guards him. Um, I think Roach is going to be motivated coming off of last year's performances against uh, against Caleb Love. And I also think we're going to see Duke give him the treatment that they've given other top guards, where I think you're going to see Wendell on him. You're going to see Trevor Trevor Keels on him. Like They're going to throw multiple looks because i think they recognize that caleb love is their heat check guy like he can go off at any point um so to me that's a huge matchup to watch um and with bacotte i think you know bacotte is familiar with uh with uh, with duke's bigs i mean he played against paulo he played against mark williams in the nike EYBL. and i think uh you know duke's gonna I think Duke's going to throw multiple bigs at him and it'll be interesting to watch how how that kind of plays out because he's, he's a good big man. You know, he's got talent. He's got fundamentally sound moves. It's a, it's, it's an interesting matchup.
3: But he's their big man. Like they, they don't have a backup big man. So, yeah, you know, it depends on, I don't know how the whistles will go. You know, you watch the Louisville game against Carolina. If you you guys watch that. And um, sometimes they, they don't go your way and sometimes they do. Um, so, you know if you could get Baycott into foul trouble, I think that bodes well for us. The, the guy I'm worried most about is probably Manic, um, because I think you know he can definitely pull Paulo out. That's I think it's good news for us that it's Paulo hopefully guarding him most of the game. I mean, superior athlete, um, against guys that caliber he hasn't played that well all year. I mean, Josh and I talked about it. I think they're they're 0 and 6 in quad one games, so you know they. They've beat teams badly, Georgia Tech and Boston College, but they every time they've played a really, really good team, they've lost and lost pretty convincingly.
0: And obviously, it's not going to be a key matchup, but um, I want to see Theo on Baycott, because if you might not remember, Wojo took Marquette into the Dome last year, and Theo kind of punked them boys. I think Baycott had three or four or five points. It it wasn't a good night for Baycott, Um, and I think Theo had a double-double that night in the Dome. So. That's what just the fan in me wants to see, Theo, just kind of be like, not today. You know, I ain't the one. It's, it's, <laughs> I, I remember in 15, um, Winslow, we were playing state in the ACC tournament, and Justice goes up to Cat Barber like a tip, and he's just, y'all ain't ready for this.
1: That's the swag <laughs>
0: that I hope we come into. Home, where <laughs> right. It's just kind of like yeah. we're just locked in and loaded, like we saw against Kentucky, Gonzaga. They don't have the ranking next to their name, but they're Carolina. And I think the boy, I think we're just going to be motivated and just, just show up. That's what I'm hoping at least. Um, And for love, I'd like to see Dale take love personally is what I just would like to see him just
1: murdering. Just how I wonder if a bigger, a bigger guy could bother love a little bit more than Roach could, you know, um, keels and more just going to have a big size advantage on him. So that might be interesting. Another, uh, sort of, strategic thing that I'm interested in is whether we switch a lot. We seem to switch more in the Notre Dame game and that's because they were a good three point shooting team. So it'll be kind of interesting to see whether we do that. And then on offense, I thought about the possibility of let's say Baycott is just kind of having his way. Do we counter that by going small? We've seen K do that a lot against UNC in the past. Like if we get down five or 10 points, we might just go small Put Paolo at the five, challenge Baycott to guard him, and he's not going to be able to, right? Um, I don't see Baycott staying in front of Paolo, so that might we might just try to outscore them at that point.
2: I think to that, I'm interested to see if we kind of if Duke kind of forces some offensive actions, you know, even high low, you know, with Mark and Paolo, you know, force Manic and force Baycott to have to guard them and interchange, you know, especially if they. you know, if they run curls off of them and stuff like that, like, because, you know, I agree with you, like Baycott's an extremely important player to Carolina, especially on the offensive end. But if Duke can put him in offensive actions, you know, when he's on defense and force him to have to guard uh, either Paulo or Mark, like, it'll be interesting to see how, you know, does he get into foul trouble and how aggressive are Mark and Paulo in the post, you know, because they have the talent to be able to score down there. But how much does Duke want to, like, really form the offense around them and run plays like that on a consecutive basis. That's that's
0: the chess match there. And we've also seen a lot like our guys have been cutting a lot more, um, especially against Notre Dame. Like we talked about Keel's passing. I like I think his best one was when he tried to drive and it got doubled, I think, and he kind of just did the no look to Dale for the, the reverse. The reverse yeah. Um, AJ is a tremendous cutter. So if we do go small, I think if we're moving off ball, it really could open it up. Um, to get things going that it, it'll be interesting to see how Mark matches up with Baycott. I think that is a pretty interesting storyline. Um, it's got a lot of size on him, but you know, Baycott likes to get in your body and Mark doesn't want people in his body, right? That's just not how he defends. That's not how he protects the rim. Um, so that will be, uh, be interesting to see. And there's always, I guess, before we kind of to jump into predictions and stuff, there's always like a guy from either side, that tends to have a game out of nowhere. Um, I'm curious for you all, who do you think that guy is for Duke? And who do you think that guy is might be for
1: Carolina? I don't know if it would be out of nowhere of because we have seen him do it before, but I could see Keels having a big game actually. Um, just because I think he's the kind of guy who would rise to this sort of occasion, but then also just his body type, I think is going to be, challenging for the UNC guards to handle. You know, they're they're just not as beefy as him. I and you know, and they don't keep people out of the lane that well, so I could really see him attacking the rim and kind of having the type of game he had against Kentucky. Especially yeah. cuz they
3: don't have a shot blocker like Baycott's not really known for shot blocking, right? So they don't have a, a lot of rim protection. So if he can get in the lane, um can either score the layup or hopefully that you know, over the top lob to Mark is open a lot too. Yeah. head tapping all night
2: <laughs>
3: actually i'm looking at uh, aj
2: Griffin i mean i it's just it's been so obvious to me the last couple games like the team is looking for him like they have confidence in him and they're looking to make passes to him in, in scoring positions and i think that's going to continue in a game like this and name me a guy on carolina's you know team right now that you feel great about you know, defending him consistently all game with his capability to go inside, outside, the way he's curling, the way he's involved on the glass. Like, I, I think he could have a good game for Duke.
0: I think for me, and I, I kind of hinted at it a little bit earlier, um, it's it's Theo for me. I, I think this could be a game where, and we've seen it a little bit, but, and I'm not saying he's going to have a 2010 night. But I think we might could see an eight and ten night. I or think he ten went and ten and night.
3: ten last year against yeah Carolina. ten and ten.
0: I could see something like that, maybe two or three blocks where if that Mark Baycott matchup ends up not being super favorable, um, I think Theo could come in and then at the end of the game we look back and we're like, man, he gave us eighteen really good minutes there. Um, yeah. So that that's kind of my guy. Anything else, I guess, Roel, in terms of what we need to know on the back end about Carolina? I think we both won four in a row.
1: Um, I guess we should talk about the ACC standings, right? So right now, Duke is in first in the ACC because uh, Miami dropped a game to Notre Dame last night. And of course, we won the last three. So that kind of pushed us up. But if we were to win this, we would put some separation in between ourselves and Carolina. However, if we lose, I think we have the potential to fall all the way to fourth. Because uh Notre Dame and Miami both have very winnable games on Saturday that happened before our game. Now, you know, you never know what will happen, but they both be favored in those games. So this is a big one for the standings. It's a big one, obviously, in the rivalry, no matter what, but that adds a little bit of extra drama to it, I think, you know, in terms of the top of the ACC race, which doesn't actually mean anything, but it would be nice to win it.
2: Yeah, and I think too that. I think the Duke's last three games, if they, if those games didn't prepare Duke for what I expect to be a close game between them and Carolina, hostile environment, you know, the Dean Dome is going to be out in full effect with it being K's last game. Like, then I don't know what could prepare Duke, you know, to play well in an environment like that. Cause those were three really good quality opponents, tough games, you know, that Duke had to be focused, like we talked about earlier. I just think from a preparation standpoint, the fact that duke didn't have three cupcake games leading into this game against carolina that like that really helps them from a preparation standpoint
0: and i hope so too that like we see you mentioned this team's got some dogs on them and duke and so i don't know how much they're you know in the tabloid type stuff but you know recently it's came out that carolina didn't really have any plans to kind of honor k or to give him anything um so if i'm the player just the keels the Theo's the pal, I'm just kind of hoping they're looking at that and like, Oh, you know, you don't have to give us anything. We're coming to take it. You know, we're going to take it. Um, that's what I want to see. You know, I want to just see us coming in with that just mindset where we're just locked in, uh, for 40 minutes. Cause you know, Carolina, while they haven't been good, they have been pretty good at home. Right. So that's been an area, uh, where they have really kind of protected that. So, you know, historically we play pretty well over there. So, you know, that shouldn't bother us a ton, but, uh, I guess we we'll, we can jump into some predictions on the game. Um, you know, I guess I can go first. I posted on the boards earlier. I, I just think I think we're just going to really show up. Um, the defense has been exceptional, and so I'm thinking if that sticks, I think that's t- Saturday is going to be the day the offense kind of opens up for us. Um, these are usually close games, but I'm going big. I'm going to say 91-68. Good guys. Wow. I think we, I think we roll them. <laughs> I think, that, I
1: think, wow, Doug, I think Huber ahead, gets a lesson Saturday. Well, that's either going to look really prescient or it's going to look crazy in, in hindsight. <laughs> um, I'll go, that's I'll go fa- a little closer. Um, that's our fearless
2: host right there.
0: Go
1: right, ahead, Josh. Exactly.
0: <laughs>
2: well,
1: he's not the one who predicted 20, and know, in the ACC.
2: Wait till you get my prediction here. <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm going to go a little more uh, cautious. I'll say. 79 to 73 duke um you know it should be somewhat high scoring game because both teams played a decent pace that's one thing that hubert hasn't really changed i think that they're still like top 30 in pace or something so number one in conference i believe okay yeah so there you go um they don't force a lot of turnovers so maybe they won't be able to play as fast as they would like you know since we've taken care of the ball pretty well all year um but yeah, 79 to 73, I think it'll be close until the final couple minutes. Uh, let's say that uh, AJ makes a big step back, put us up six and really seal it.
0: <laughs>
1: there we go.
2: This almost feels like on the um, The price is right, like we're putting in our bids, like how high or how low do we want to go, right? Right. <laughs> I think for me, I'm going to go uh, 82-75. I think Duke wins it, uh, but I
3: think it's going to be free throws at the end that pull it out. Well, I'm going to pull the reverse psychology because I'm like 0 for 97 on prediction. So <laughs> I'll, just say, I'll just say we don't score at all, and they win by 100. So how's that? <laughs> <laughs>
1: I feel right, yeah. like I feel like for that trick to work, doesn't it have to be like a real prediction? You know what I'm saying? Like you have to. Mean yeah. It. <laughs> well,
3: I can't bring myself to actually predict these guys to win because we're the better team. We should win. Yeah. I mean, that's right. You know, plain and simple of it. But um, I mean, real prediction. I'd probably go 85, 80. Good guys.
1: All right. Um, yeah. I mean, this is one of these cases where you're not really being a homer if you pick Duke to win because it is the rational pick. You know, we've performed better all year. We have the two high-end NBA players and a couple other first-round guys. Um,
3: And they have not beat an NCAA tournament team. Right.
1: They've gotten where they are in terms of both record and Ken Palm standing by really beating up on some bad teams. You know, like Josh mentioned earlier, they're blowing out. I mean, that's good for them. They're blowing out these bad teams. We've actually struggled with a few bad teams, but our ceiling is certainly higher when we show up. You know, we've seen us beat, you know, Kentucky and Gonzaga already. And technically, we're just a few bad possessions away from being undefeated. So, you know, the optimist would say, like, we're actually, we've been a better team than we look. We just hadn't figured out how to close games until recently.
0: I think we'd have to help Carolina win this game. Um, I think we would have to be turning the ball over and letting them get like 15 to 20 more shots than we did. So I I think if we can remotely protect the glass and and the ball, um, you know, if we both played our best game, I think we win by double digits, right? Like I think we would have to help them. um, So hopefully that's not the case.
3: Make some free throws, take care of the ball, rebound, we win. You know, that's pretty simple. Yeah, um, um, I do think it is a really good point about taking care of the ball because we've seen Carolina
2: speed up Duke in the past and, and, and force a lot of turnovers. And the other point that multiple of you guys have brought up about guarding the ball, like that is priority number one on the defensive end against Carolina. Like if you if you don't stop the ball, their whole offense clicks at a higher level because of the way their guards crash uh, on the offensive glass. And if you're if you're not guarding the ball, and your bigs are constantly having to defend against uh, you know quick guards like Carolina has, like foul trouble could become an issue, so yeah, I totally agree like it sounds basic, but guard the ball, rebound be tough i mean that's that's how you win
0: yeah, we definitely don't need to see like love come out and hit his first two threes and it's six nothing, and it's like uh oh, here we go, right like we all want to come out and and kind of throw that first punch, but
1: well, like I mentioned earlier um they're not a team that forces turnovers at all. So coming back to what Steve said, that kind of plays into our hand, like because they have been able to get out in transition using that in the past, I believe they're third to last in the entire country at forcing turnovers. So, you know, that's a big change as well. there um, that could, that could benefit us for sure. And in terms of, uh, stopping the ball, that's why they tend to always struggle with, um, the kind of slower discipline teams like the Wisconsin's and Virginia's because those teams, you know, really get on the defensive glass. They're really good in defensive transition. They, they slow Carolina down. It's kind of when you get too much into their game of trying to run with them that you get into trouble, which is why Michigan state always loses them.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Raul, well, speaking of uh,
2: Virginia, I think Duke plays them. Um... Uh, Monday, Monday host yeah. them on, uh, on Monday. And that's actually going to be a, a, critical time period for Duke's, uh, recruiting efforts. Uh, they're going to have one of their top guard priorities in 2023 on campus from Sunday, uh, through Tuesday. So, uh, that's Jared McCain, uh, from California. He's going to be on campus for his official visit with Duke. So that's a, that's a really important, uh, timeframe for Duke there, both with the game and with McCain being on
3: campus. Can I speak on this, um, he was the one that was quoted as saying, you know, like when Duke started calling that some of the other coaches backed away and uh, Raul, I know you had posted the, uh, the Omar little from the wire, you know, and that's what I think of Shire walking into these high school gyms, you know, you should be <laughs> whistling the farmer in the Dale because people just need to start scattering when he shows up now. <laughs> yeah. Omar in the house.
0: Um, well, I guess we'll talk a little bit since with this being K's last game, just some kind of favorite memories of games that we've had uh, in the Dome. I think for me, I was thinking about this a little bit. Um, I think my favorite one, and it's one that might not stand out a lot to people, but probably just the time that it happened in my life was the, I think the 06 uh, in the Dome. JJ goes for like 35, I believe. He's just burying them. I mean, it's a close, it's like a 4 it's a six-point game. And every time they get to like three or four, it's a, a step back JJ three. Uh, and I, I can't remember if it was like Jackie Manuel or David Noel, whoever it was that night got torched. That that's and to me, that was just such a um, I love those those Duke teams. You know, I was in high school at the time, so that was a big one. Um there's been some other ones that stand out, but I don't want to take them all. So I'll pass it around, but I'll go, I'll go oh six in the dome for me.
2: I'm sure somebody is going to mention the the Austin River shot, and that is certainly worthy of consideration. But you know the Trey Jones, you know going off there like that. Oh my goodness! I mean that's that's probably one of the best uh, performances I think I've ever seen uh, seen there. And I know they got him on the return trip at uh, at Duke as well. So
1: that for me is a is an interesting memory. Yeah, that was one of the most improbable ones for sure. Um, yeah. just in terms because it was a double comeback. You know, there was the comeback at the end of regulation, um, which was miraculous in itself. Um, You know, obviously to purposely miss that free throw, grab the rebound, hit that mid-range jumper. But then in overtime, they go down five again. And I remember, uh, I think we were in the game thread or something. And uh, you, uh, Josh, you were just like, yeah, we had our chance. We blew it. (laughs) <laughs> but turned out that you were wrong. So that was that was a great negative one. Nancy in the third yeah, yeah. yeah, I have a tendency to overreact <laughs> in the game threads there. well, I was in agreement. It did look like it was going that way. Yeah. What what is yours, Ro? Um 04 yeah. in the the dome with uh going into overtime, Duhan's reverse layup there with like uh two seconds left, maybe it was four seconds. Yeah, I watched that game with I had just moved down to Greensboro to go back to college. And my roommate was a big Duke fan, but my other roommates in the house were big Carolina fans. Um, Another friend came over who didn't know anything about basketball. He just arbitrarily decided to root for Duke. Um, So we're watching that me, my good friend and this other guy who knows nothing have our arms like locked on the couch as we go into overtime for the entire overtime. Um, then of course, Duhan gets that a uh, reverse layup and the deflation of the, of the other two roommates was just, uh, you know, we, uh, we, we carried it softly. We weren't trying to rub it in their face, but it was just, uh, you know, a glorious thing for sure. Yeah, that was a great one. Shoe, what you got?
3: Yeah, I mean, look, you know, typically I, Josh, you know me. I like to watch the Duke, Car- the Duke at Carolina game by myself. I don't like to be around a lot of people. But um, the Austin shot, I ended up uh, shouts to my guy Brent Miller and Jake Bird. We got together at Brent's house. His wife's a Carolina fan. My wife's a Carolina fan. So we got three guys in here, Duke fans. The two girls are Carolina fans. You know, you know, got you guys don't know the story. We go down ten. I'm taking. You know, going to be a long night. Thornton hits the three. Curry hits the three. Zeller taps one in. Kelly hits one from the corner. And then Austin sub-zero freezes them for the win. Um, and and all three of us are just, like, jumping in a circle, you know, diving on the floor together. Um, so that one, the the Curry uh what year was that? Twenty thirteen, when he started off like
0: thirteen zero, and like uh, he's hitting shots. He's hitting shots his ass, ass, basically. from his. From, yeah, <laughs>
3: exactly. That yeah. one come to mind. Um, shouts to the Jones brothers, though. I mean, Ty S averaged like twenty three points a game against Carolina. His, you know, only two games, and then Trey, obviously, was Steve mentioned. You know, crushed their hopes there with the uh the the overtime win.
0: Yeah, I think um, another honorable mention one. That I really, and it's funny because now it's been so long that I can't really remember what year it was. It might have been 2000, 2001, maybe 02, but I think it was 01. Um, one of the years they beat us, but we go in there, I think, and just beat the dog crap out of them, right? Like Jay Wills, like blitzing the passing lane, he hits a three, gets a steal, goes back up, gets another steal.
2: Was um, that the, are you thinking of the game when uh, uh, Boozer for- got injured? Oh uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think, is yeah. that what you're thinking about? And it would have been playing, him being, yep. And they were
1: playing Casey Sanders. Is that what you're thinking of?
0: Yeah. That sounds right. That sounds. so yep. that was
1: a one then, right? The one. Was, yeah. Yeah. Was that the one with the, or was that the ACC tournament I'm thinking of? There was one with the chase down Batty block where that, block. that, that was, was in a, that was at uh, the, Dean dome, I
2: that think, was right? the Dean dome. Yeah. yeah. That yeah. Been, yeah. I think you the know. one that, the one that I'm thinking of, I remember Batty actually described it to John and I, uh, one time we were doing an interview with him and that game was like when Boozer went out with an injury, I think like the game before Kay told the team, we're going to go into the Dean Dome and we're going to shoot like 53s, something like that. And so they went in and it was just like bombs away. Like just, it was an insane game.
0: I think the 08 one was, was like that too. That was a fun one. That was a. Uh the rare Greg Polish shining moment when we came in, I think we hit 13 threes and, and romped them pretty good out there. Um,
1: Greg went six of eight, I think from three. Yeah. Um, yeah he, not he having went. to, not having to guard or be guarded by Lawson helped them out a lot. That was a yeah. uh, Lawson was, <laughs> out that was that awesome. <laughs>
0: that game too. I want to say um, yeah. my favorite one though, is actually, I know that we're talking about just games at the dome, but my, I think my favorite game to rewatch is probably the 2011 ACC tournament game. Cause we had split with them that year. Uh, and if you remember that was Kendall Marshall, Carolina was good, and Nolan just gave him the business in Greensboro. I mean from the yeah. tip from the
2: tip. Him. From the, tip. Oh, from that the was, tip. Uh, Well, that was the that was the Kyrie year, right? Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then but he had been out with injuries. So yeah, I mean, that was that was uh Nolan and Kyle Singler and, and they had my- just
0: beat us in the dome on their senior night. Um, yep. to split with yep. us and then in yep. the ACC tournament we just like from the tip no one just took it personal yep. um that's probably was the my was the
3: 2016 one um
0: that's in the dome yeah that
3: one's in the dome the, th- the Thornton
0: block on Barry yeah. Thornton
3: block on Barry Grayson yeah. runs away because I think I had a picture Grayson's throwing the ball up and you see Rasheed Wallace sitting like I two still rows don't know how it won it that just, game.
0: I do no know. I think Bryce that, had like 30 Bryce 20. Bryce had 30 rebounds. Right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, it was something exactly. ridiculous. So that was
3: a huge win to, to come out of that one, you
1: know, yeah. with the dub. So yeah.
0: shout out to Grayson Allen, too. He kind of owned, he kind of owned UNC. Yeah. He, seemed, he seemed to always play just amazing against them.
1: Him and Seth Curry both um, you know, Carolina tends to struggle with guards, it seems like, or at least our guards. Um, but yeah, I think Seth had like was like six or seven points higher than his career average against them. And I'm sure Grayson's probably the same. So, and yeah. then his record against him would be great too. Uh, one yeah. thing I know we've talked about, kind of before we get out of here, just to, a general point is how many times in the last decade or so have they blown massive leads to us? And oh, if you yeah. imagine, <laughs> if you imagine from their perspective, just flipping the script, like how <laughs> angry would we be if we kept doing that? Uh, mm-hmm. 2011 in cameron um 2012 at the dome um 2015 basically twice the more at, more at home i would say um 2016 i don't know that they blew a big lead but we were down to like five guys because matt jones goes out injured yep. uh, 2017 they blow a massive lead to us in the ACC tournament um yep. yeah so uh in even 2019 they didn't blow a huge lead but they were kind of looking like they were gonna win at the end of the game there. And then of course we talked about Trey Jones game already. So you can just kind of yeah. go down the list. It's like seven Even or eight. 18,
0: times. Wasn't yeah. they I know they beat us two one in eighteen, but uh Grayson's senior night, right? Weren't we down? Yeah. And then all of a sudden Grayson hit some threes. Duvall was getting in that big the oop to Bagley where he just nuts up on uh little there. Lee, yeah. Yeah, that was a fun one too.
3: Before we get out of here, can I just say shouts to Louisville for that uh bottle of makers mark? I mean I don't know how much money I'd give to have that bottle. That was, that K, was pretty Yeah.
0: Well, uh, I guess we'll kind of, uh, we'll jump back next week. We'll react to the UNC game, the Virginia game. Um, if you haven't checked it out yet, go check out our 2022 recruiting podcast with Travis Branham and Steve. Um, lots of good stuff there. I know a lot of people on the boards have been asking. We still are planning the 2023 one, probably in the next week or so. We're going to be looking to get that out, let some things kind of settle and finalize. Um, in the meantime, you can find us over on the boards at thedevilsden.com. You can email us at thedevilsdenpodcast at gmail.com. Or is it just pod? Is it the devil's in pod at gmail.com? Yeah, yeah. yeah There we go. Um, No capitals. All (laughs) capitals. Yeah. Um, You know all the good stuff. Rate, review, subscribe. um, Give us some feedback. And uh, in the meantime, um, keep the faces strong and the verb high, and go to Hell, Carolina.